Welcome to this week's Priority Now podcast, encouraging women to become better disciples of Jesus. Every week we hear from women just like us that are being intentional to know Jesus more and to make Him known. Here's your host, Carmen Halsey. Hi, ladies, and welcome to this week's Priority Now podcast. Today, I'm joined by Leslie Levin. I'm excited because I'm just getting to know Leslie. I've met her just as an acquaintance, but I really don't know her. So we're going to get to know more of her together. So, Leslie, thank you for being with us today. Good to be here. I'm excited. I am, too. I am, too. I kind of have a list of questions. But before we before we go there, I always like to start, um, Leslie, with just whoever the guest is, introducing themselves to the ladies that are listening and just telling us a little bit about yourself and some of your background. Certainly. So I am wife and mom to four very busy kids, like ages 11 and down to three. Uh, So my house is really full, two boys and two girls. And we homeschool. So my kids are with me all the time. So they are in tow for lots of life. Uh, So life is really messy and fun. I grew up in a little bitty town in the middle of nowhere, Virginia, bounced all around the nation. We have as a family, moved 10 times uh, since getting married and super excited to be in the Midwest. This is our first stay after uh, some different places living uh, throughout the U.S. and even getting to live in Africa for a year. So I'm loving the Midwest and the, all the true four seasons. Yeah, and just love to be outside and enjoy uh, creation with my family. So, yeah. That's super. Leslie, how long have you been married? We have been married 16 years. Years and some of the some of the folks listening will know your husband Brad that you know that's on staff at IBSA. So I'm excited. Like I said, this is the woman behind the guy, or we might say he's the guy behind the woman. By the time we get done with this podcast, Leslie, we're a good team. We are. Uh, I, there's a lot of things where that whole complimenting each other we um, we fit that mold. <laughs> that's her. That's super. So you said you um, were from Virginia originally, had several moves. So how did you how did you and Brad meet? What what was the purpose of all the moves? Yeah. So we met in. College being in a tiny town in Virginia was closer to schools in Tennessee and North Carolina and Kentucky that than a lot of the Virginia schools. So I went to school in North Carolina, um, where he was from, and he went to a close school close by. And we met through a campus ministry there called Campus Outreach. We were also in the same uh, honors dorm together, and so had a different couple different ways we overlapped in life. But really, it was through the ministry of Campus Outreach um, that I even came to know the Lord. And so after that, being a part of that ministry together, we kind of grew up together and then got engaged as I was approaching my senior year. Brad's a couple years older than me. And then during our engagement time period made, we're praying a lot about what was, where was the direction that we were headed and God opened the door for us to go, for Brad to go into the army um, and me to follow him and us to see that as our, our next mission field. So that is what took us all around uh, moving different lots of places. Some places we lived a couple years, sometimes six months. Uh, we did have a couple moves after that when Brad finished his time active duty um, and began working for Samaritan's Purse. That took us overseas to live in Uganda for about a year. Um, and then we got to live in North Carolina again at the end of his time in that job and then following North Carolina here to Springfield. That's good. Well, I knew military was part of the, you know, part of your time together, but you said something that I didn't realize. You said you um, came to know Christ through campus outreach. So you were already a collegiate. I mean, you were a college student when you came to know Christ. Yes. I grew up in a Christian home in a little Baptist church. 
I even uh, walked an aisle when I was about eight years old and, and said that I wanted to follow Jesus, but I didn't really understand what that meant. I knew culturally what it meant to say that Jesus was the Son of God, but I did not understand, um, I now looking back, did not understand my need for a Savior. I looked pretty good. I think on the outside, pretty good little kid. And that's not to toot my own horn, but just that was kind of the personality that I had been given and um, kind of a rule follower. And so when I got to college, I wanted to go somewhere that no one else was going and I didn't know anyone there. God had placed a teammate on my track team who was a believer and she could see through the shell uh, that I was cleaned up, looked good like a whitewashed team. I looked good on the outside, but the inside of me was still hollow. And so she began engaging with me and asked me to study the Bible with her. And it was through uh, time with her. And she just shared honestly her life with me about her sinfulness and her need for a savior. And I looked at her and I, I did not, she didn't look like someone who needed a savior. So I began to question in my own heart. Am I trying to do this on my own? Do I really believe that I need a savior? And that's how through that year, my freshman year, God revealed that. So the beginning of my sophomore year, um, I kind of, I call it wave the white flag of surrender and said, I can't do this. I am not clean. I need you to make me right before God. So that's fantastic. Just because I know a little bit about, you know, um, how God's using you in your community right now. I'm just loving that part of the story that literally you're doing something that somebody modeled for you, invited you in just to study the Bible. So that that's awesome. That's awesome. What'd you do in track, Leslie? What was your sport? Well, I started out in high school. I was a 200, 400. So a sprinter. And Uh I was recruited for the 400 and four by four relay team. And as I got up into competition, my coach realized that I needed to, was also suited for the 800 meter. So I became a 400-800 combo um, and then the 4x4. Four four. Look at you go. That's that's good. Ladies, if you're listening in with us, you're going to get to know Leslie a little bit like I am. But trust me, she's still running with that baton in her hand. It's it, I'm just amazed at how God's using you. And you just make it sound so effortless. And that's what I love and why, why I wanted to invite you in today so that the ladies could hear a little bit of your story. Um, a lot of times, Leslie, I think that we celebrate or we make celebrity status out of other believers and we put some folks on platforms and we tell stories. And, and, and I say this with a heart of love. Sometimes we exploit people's stories and you know and and it it can leave some of us sitting on the sideline thinking that's them that'll never be you know that can never be me and we have opportunities in our everyday lives that we just especially as women that we just often don't engage and take because we're almost waiting for it to look like something and we don't even realize in our mind we've got this model built that we've created, you know, not necessarily that that God has created. So so I appreciate that part. So we get out of college. Um, you're married. Brad joins the army. That takes that takes you, of course, on several moves. Then you guys start to work with Samaritan's Purse. And now I'm correct. Is that what you said took you to Uganda? It is. Yes, Brad. A, a combination of so when he finished military time, he actually went to Southern Seminary and got a master's in divinity in school of missions. And while he was finishing up his time, we were asking God, what are we going to do? What is, are you calling us to the mission field? What are you calling us to? And then a neat position came open with Samaritan's Purse, kind of meshing his military experience and his desire for missions because he became a director of the security aspect for Africa. And so that was based out of Kampala, 
capital city of Uganda. Uh-huh. Um, so that took us over there and he traveled, he got to see so many countries. He could, he could tell you how many I can't um, keep up, how many countries of Africa he got to see. And the kids and I stayed in Uganda. We got to enjoy Uganda. It was, it's called the Pearl of Africa for a reason. Beautiful place and beautiful people. So. Well, I want to, I want to just kind of camp there in Uganda for just a little bit, because I'm sure that was, even though Samaritan's Purse, right? Very structured organization, very professional. Um, I mean, they have all the resources, all the layers, but my instincts would tell me that you being positioned in Uganda, even with an organization that robust, felt a lot different than when the military stationed you in a, in a country. Quite different. So in the, in the military, you know, uh, you move and, and everyone's moving, right? So you have a body, it's like this big mass of people who move from place to place. And so they're familiar with moving, they're familiar with being in a new location. And, and so you have everyone who's experiencing that. Um, so they, you kind of instantly have a little bit of a bond with people because they're new, you're new, and you're trying to figure out together. When we moved to Uganda, there's not a, a big, big structure of people moving constantly. There were expats and other members of the Samaritan's First family working there in Uganda, but they're few and far between, and you're not living on a military base. You're not surrounded by those people. And we chose to live in a little more, um, less expat, which would be a less westernized part of the city. And so we lived a little more in what it would felt like to be Ugandan um, culture. So that put us a little um, in a little different position than someone who was living right next door to another expat and another expat where they had a lot of um, common ground with those people. So, okay, here's, here's something I heard your husband say about you that really perked my ears up. That he said that Leslie, you, his sweet wife, had made the comment when you were in Uganda, or maybe it was after, but anyway, it was the Uganda experience that you said, I really, I really have an understanding now of what it feels like to be a refugee. Yes, he's right. And that was kind of dwindling toward the end of our time in Uganda. And, and as I came back to America is when that really hit me. You know, we made a choice to go to Uganda, and I'm so thankful for that choice. So I don't understand, I cannot say I understand the aspect of being a refugee, of being forced out of my home and having to flee from my life. But what I meant when I was talking about feeling like a refugee, I moved to a culture that was not my own. I didn't know where where the right supermarket was to go find, you know, the oats that I needed or even the right sugar or the right even the right words sometimes to say for things. Uganda is, was an English speaking colony. So we have a that common ground, thankfully, um, the business language, the trade language was English. So I didn't have a huge language barrier to overcome, but a zucchini in America is not called a zucchini in Uganda. They have like a an English British word for it. And I didn't know that word. Um, so there are, there are small things like that. And so being in a new country, in a different culture, I started to understand a little bit better what it would feel like if that if I knew that was permanent or if I knew no one. If I had come there completely on my own outside of an organization, um, I, I felt like what it would have felt like to to not know how to to do life, to do basic life skills, you know, how to feed my family because I didn't know where to go find the things that I needed to prepare a meal, or how to find the things that were comfortable or familiar to us. And some of those things were not available. I remember when we were packing to go to Uganda, Brad said, you need to bring bed sheets. I'm like, wow, bed sheets. Can't you buy bed sheets in Uganda? He said, well, they only have fitted ones. They don't have flat sheets. All they do is wrap their mattress with it and they don't have like flat bed sheets. You could find them 
but you'd have to go to very specific locations. You're going to pay a lot more money. Small things like that, we knew what to bring because it would make it feel comfortable. So then, you know, as we were kind of coming to the end of our time in Uganda, I realized how had I learned how to thrive in that environment? Because by the time that we you know, had spent several months there, I was comfortable in the local market. I was comfortable. I knew where I needed to go to find the right lemons or to find the different fruits and vegetables that I wanted to, to locate the items. What was that turning point and what made me feel comfortable was that people had come alongside me and showed shown me the way. We had a we got to have a live-in housekeeper in Uganda, which look when I was about to go to Uganda and Brad said, I'm I'm an interviewing someone for a housekeeper. I said, I'm not the person that has a housekeeper. Like I have never had a housekeeper. That sounds really uh-huh. fancy. And I'm not fancy. Like I'm from the country. We clean our own houses. You know, I can make my own messes and clean them up. And he said, no, you're going to need a housekeeper. Uh, And and he was right. Um, If I had hand washed all of our laundry and hang it on the line and sweep the house every day, I would have, we would have gone underneath. Uh, (laughs) We would have never made it. So our live-in housekeeper, she taught me the words to use, sometimes how to express things, where to find things. She was my guide and I needed that. And then we had other Americans that were working through Samaritan's Purse or other, you know, Western countries who came alongside and said, this is where you can find the baby food that you need for your six month old. This is where you can find this item. It was those people who had come alongside me and walked with me and sometimes taken me because I didn't know how to, to navigate to some of these places. You know, we often talk in the Illinois Baptist women community, we often talk about oftentimes we're just a guide. You know, but there's something different than something a little bit different than a guide, a guide versus a mentor. You know, that the guide this is more relational that they go with me. You know, so they've been there, they know where to go, they they know what I'm looking for. So it's kind of my story. So as we come alongside women and women, if you're listening, this is kind of our approach we take. We come alongside because it's your story, right? What is God doing in your life? But oftentimes we because we're a community of believers, the church is working together, there may be somebody that's walked a few steps ahead of you that it's not just throw a book at you. We can actually have a person to come and guide you and that's relational, you know, to that you can trust that's going to take that step with you. It's still about you and what God's doing in your life. So I love that you said that, Leslie, that she was she was a guide. And, and I'm sure it's somebody that you grew to trust quick. And I heard you say she was a live-in. So it's not like it's not like your lives were that divided. You you were living you were living community yes we were and yeah she became like a grandmother figure you know my children didn't have that in in as far as in proximity we saw grandparents over facetime and and video chat and things she became a trusted friend who when i needed to know the price that i should pay for something instead of uh, what they were going to charge me i could ask her and she she wasn't going to give me an honest answer and she was going to give me an honest answer about how to take care of certain things or how things should be done in that culture okay. yeah that's good that's good well i want to pivot our conversation just a little bit but before i do i kind of want to bring i want to kind of catch up to the midwest you know get leslie in into into illinois so you settle in Springfield, but what I love about it is you didn't get, you did not come in and buy right away. You come in to settle until you could see what God was doing, and that's led to what He has you doing now. So unpack that a little bit for our listeners today. So when we were choosing to move, we had looked at houses and looked at areas and did not know enough about Springfield to feel comfortable saying this is where we want to plant our lives exactly in this house or this neighborhood or this area. So we did choose to rent. Uh, We rented a house that was built sometime in the 1840s uh, with its one bathroom and four bedrooms for our family of six. 
one child who needed to potty train, that was an adventure. But we took, we took that for a few months and took time just praying, asking God to make it clear where we needed to land, what was the opportunities that we needed to, to see. Um, and so we started praying in that direction, Brad and I praying together. And then as we started even looking at houses, just asking him to show us, just to make it really clear, I am not a decisive person. If you've met my husband, you'll know he is very decisive. Um, and so we could, uh, we just needed, after we prayed, he, the first time he went house hunting with us, um, God made it very clear. This is the house. And Brad said, this is the one. But we, he had gone before us because we had prayed about what we were supposed to do. And then after we even put a contract on a house, though, we knew it was actually going to be about three months before we moved in. It was a long-term contract. The family was waiting to move out. And we were able to start praying for our neighbors and praying for the community before we ever moved in. And I think, I know, I can say God did amazing work through that in preparing the place for us um, that we were just asking him to give us grace in the in the place he was going to put us. That's super. Leslie, I, I left out another important part of your story because you're an educator, too. Is that right? I mean, that's you went to school for education. I did, yeah. My degree is art education. I can teach children from kindergarten to 12th grade in, in the uh, realm of art. So, yeah. Okay. Um, I know Brad um, will often tell me, he said, Carmen, she has just had the experience. You know, she's educated. She was a you know college athlete. You know, she, she's an educator. She's a mom, a homeschooler. He's just, just, you can, he said, you can go cross-cultural quite easily because God's gifted you that way. And what I love about that is he, the experience he's put in your, in your toolbox to be able to use that. And that's what I see you doing in your in your community as I hear stories of how you guys are um, not only building relationships with the, the neighbors, but just like you said, you prayed um, before you even went there. You're being intentional. No difference than a missionary being on an international mission field. You guys are being that intentional to create bridges, you know, for, for people to connect with you and you to connect with them in your community. Tell the ladies just a little bit about that, because sometimes, like I said before, I think we make that hard. And I think we all have those opportunities and we're, we're missing them. We're, we're kind of going out and leaving our communities to arrive somewhere to do ministry. And I think it's all, you know, all the above there. I'd love to share. You know, this has been our first time as a, as a family living in a neighborhood that has close proximity to our neighbors. And so we have the opportunity to go for a lot of walks. We don't have a big backyard and we have a lot of children with energy. <laughs> and so um, we have just taken it that this is our, this whole neighborhood is our playground, right? It's our place to be, to be outside. We, we started praying for our neighbors before we ever met them. We had, we didn't know who they were, who they would be, what their personalities were, but we knew that a lot of them probably needed to hear the truth. And so we started taking walks. Now having kids and taking walks is a little advantage because Anytime they see a dog or a, an animal of any sort, they, they run to it and they uh, want to engage with that. And so you get an opportunity to, to talk to the owner of the dog, be it a, the man or woman, they're old or young. It kind of crosses those gaps for you. And it's simple conversation. It's, hey, my kids love the dog. Hey, what's the dog's name? And then, hey, we just moved in down on the corner and uh, we're, we're new to the area. You know, starting a small conversation with them, asking little questions about, the dog or their family. I am not a great conversationalist, but just showing someone that you care long enough to engage with them and have a small conversation to know a little detail or to share a little detail about your life, to be vulnerable enough to say, uh, you know, my kids are a little crazy when they see dogs or 
my children, you know, sharing little bits of yourself and asking them to share a little bit about themselves. That's where it starts. It's not some grand conversation that you know is going to lead you down a specific path to, to reach the gospel. It's just building a small bridge to a relationship and a relationship that leads you to the next conversation when you're on the next walk and you see the dog and the kids go running. And then they had shared, maybe they had shared with you that they're that a child about to go to college. Well, it's that time that they've gone off to college and now you can continue the conversation. It's a series of like broken conversations that lead up and build this one big story of their life and your life and you're sharing sharing stories that way. And that's how we got started. Uh, and then after that, it leads you to comfortable levels where you say, hey, what are you guys doing on Friday night? We're going to we're going to grill out. Would you guys like to come over? And after having had a few conversations of building, they're like, you know, I think we could have dinner with these people. And they'll they'll say yes. <laughs> and and Leslie, you you actually those some of those relationships have led to, um, I believe, just like I go back to say what you had modeled for you in college when the girl on your track team invited you in. I believe you're actively involved in Bible study with one or more women in your in your community there, your neighborhood. I am. I got the opportunity to meet one of our neighbors in an early morning conversation that was not planned when we had some tree work about to be done in our backyard. And it, <laughs> our adjacent neighbor, I had not gotten the opportunity to meet them, did not know anything about them. And there's a tree on our property line that needed to come down between the houses. And so the team shows up before I had warning. So I run around and go meet our neighbor early in the morning, knocking on the door. Hi, I'm your new neighbor. We're about to take a tree down in your backyard. It was a crazy way to begin the conversation. And it turned out to be someone who had also moved into the neighborhood during COVID times. So during an awkward time where it was hard to meet people, people were more disconnected. And over that you know, five minute introduction, found out we have daughters that were about the same age. And that conversation led to, oh, we should get them together to play. That was as simple as it was in the morning. But then subsequent interactions and conversations later, you know, we were sharing the story of why we came here and Brad's job with Illinois Baptist. And my neighbor shared that she was raised Catholic, but she was curious about Christianity and that she never had really read the Bible for herself, um, but that she would like to know what that was like and what that was what it was like to do that, how to do that. And so I said, well, I'm no professional, but I've studied the Bible and I love to study alongside other people. I would love to, you know, us to share and just read the Bible together and, and talk through it. And so that has led to a Bible study with my neighbor and then her daughter and my daughter. So it's a, a kind of a cross ages and been a really neat, we're walking through the book of Mark, just through the stories of the, of the life of Jesus and from a simple conversation over the sound of chainsaws one morning. <laughs> So you never know how those conversations are going to, where they're going to lead you um, if you're just faithful to take the next step. True. And, you know, everything about your life, though, you're living with intentionality. You know, you're in, you're in a posture of intentionality that God's got you there. Like you said, he's, he, you've prayed, you've expected to see him work. So you're, you're expecting to see those opportunities. They're not catching you by surprise. But then, like I said, you're not trying to stage these robust interventions. You know, it's just every day. It's everyday life, you know, taking the opportunities that are in, that are in front of us. So that, that's good. And ladies, if you're listening, that's you too. You know, we all have those opportunities right outside our door. And um, just like I hope that's what you're gleaning from some of Leslie's story. 
we say all the time, we're just ordinary women with an extraordinary God, you know, but, but we're, we're holy. He loves us. He's chose us. He put us wherever he has put, placed us. Every circumstance is purposeful, you know, to allow us, whether it's a tree that needs to come down or, you know, um, a dog that needs walked or, or whatever, you know, we just, we just take those as opportunities to be able to, to meet people interact with them to engage in conversation and start to build those relationships. And, and like Leslie said, we, it's not like we're going for a score, you know, follow, you know, follow the lead of God, but it's not like every time that you're going to be sharing the gospel right out of the gate, it's build that relationship and watch what, you know, and watch what happens. So, so that's good. Leslie, I have so enjoyed getting to know you better. And ladies, if you're listening in, you're just getting a glimpse of who Leslie is, just like I am. And we're out of time today, but there's so much more to this conversation that we didn't want to cut off. We want to share it with you. So we're going to do this in a two-part podcast, and we're asking you to tune back in next week for the Priority Now podcast, where you can hear more and some of the specific work that God has allowed her hands to be part of, things he's done through her, and things he's doing through her. Because girls, we're all in this together, right? And we can learn from her, just like you have your own stories of what God's doing. So join us back next week and hear more from Leslie on the Priority Now podcast. And ladies, just a reminder, if you're not connected, get connected with us into the Illinois Baptist Women community. So follow us on Facebook at Illinois Baptist Women. You can find us on Instagram at at Illinois Baptist Women or check us out on our website at ibsa.org backslash women. Thank you girls for joining us. Leslie, thank you. We'll hear more from you next week. And girls, have a great rest of your weekend and we'll see you next week on the Priority Now podcast. You've been listening to the Priority Now podcast with host Carmen Halsey. Resources mentioned today are listed in the episode notes in the podcast app. Stay connected with us through social media and our website, ibsa.org women.